0: Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to connect with our church family and to watch our services live. Download our app today by texting Sparks will fly as one word app to 77977. That's Sparks will fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. If you were here last week Uh, Pastor John preached a really, really prophetic, profound, powerful message. It was titled, Where's the Preacher? John Brown has uploaded it on the podcast. Go and give that a listen. If you missed it, it's really powerful. I believe it speaks to the times that we're living in, and he touches on a lot of things in there, and he really provokes not just the men and women of God that stand behind pulpits and hold microphones, but he really encourages Uh, you to bring influence and you be the preacher in your home for you to be the preacher inside of with your family and in your business whether you're a school teacher or whatever you do and so we're called to be leaven in this world and advance the kingdom and bring influence to our God-given sphere amen so it's awesome go give it a listen I know it marked me and very powerful you good you feel good this morning good let's go to Colossians chapter two that's where we'll begin I will spit off uh lots of verses this morning to you Uh, We're only going to read three passages, but I'll probably weave in and out of a lot of different places today. Um, But we're going to begin in Colossians chapter 2 this morning, and I'm very excited to share with you what I believe to be um, a specific word for where we are right now. And I, I do believe that I have a word from God. I believe that he's spoken to me and given me some prophetic insight. And so this message might not be a, a high-fiver and a chest bumper, but I believe that it'll give us, a, give us some good truth. It's going to ground us. Uh, how many of you guys know that so many times we're looking for something new, for something fresh, for fresh revelation, and the Lord's looking for you to just steward what's been given to you already? And so I think that the simple, profound truth—that's what got David to Goliath. So many people want to cheerlead and they want to celebrate and, and preach on that. But long before he ever got to long before he ever got to Goliath, David was tending sheep. He was giving worship to the Lord. He had already killed a lion and a bear, so he was tested and tried for such a time as what he, when he faced Goliath. And so there's so much. Truth, And there's so much uh, that we miss if we're constantly looking for the next thing. And so I just believe the Lord wants to ground us this morning and also give us some insight for the times that we're living in. And um, so let's let's get going. Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading um, in verse 4. And it says this, this is Paul talking. He says, "'Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words.'" according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Last verse, verse nine says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Somebody say, I am complete. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Spirit of the living God, I ask you to fall fresh upon your people today. God, I am your instrument. I pray, God, that you would play me to the tune of your choice. God, if they hear me, they're leaving the same way. But, God, if they hear you, if they encounter you, if you speak to them, if you touch them, God, they will be forever changed. One word from you, one moment with you, one encounter with your presence. It marks us and it changes us forever. Lord, I pray, God, that you would quicken our mortal bodies with the same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead. As Miss Catherine's already prayed, God, we need you. It's not in human strength that we can accomplish or do anything, but it's not by might nor by power, but only by your spirit can anything be accomplished, Lord. So we worship you today, God. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen. I want to, if, if you are writing or if you are taking notes, I see some of you with a pen in your hand. I want this to be the very first thing that we write down today, and it's this, consider it a gift when Jesus becomes your only option. Consider it a gift given to you when you get stripped to naked trust and it's left and you are left with only one thing to stand on, and that's Jesus. He is the solid rock. We're gonna talk about Jesus this morning because I'm convinced this, like Pastor said last Sunday, if preachers in our pulpits can just preach Jesus and the nature of who Jesus is, we won't have to worry about empty altars. We won't have to worry about people being bound, people being addicted. Jesus Christ is enough. Just him. We've we've created this doctrine in the church that would say, you know, Jesus is an option, but he's unto other things. It's Jesus and. It's Jesus but It's Jesus and all the other systems of men. And one thing that we're gonna point out in scripture today is we're gonna go to the birth of Jesus where Mary says, how can this be? But yet I've not known a man. You see, Jesus was very prophetic. He was very intentional. He was very specific. There's a theology lesson available for us in Luke chapter one, verse 35, where it says the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Why is that? She was a virgin, friend. A lot of different doctrines and people. That's actually a topic of conversation today. And people actually are walking on the earth and believe that Mary could have possibly not been a virgin. But the Septuagint and what the early church writers believed, that Mary was a virgin and it only happened, the birth of Jesus only supernaturally, miraculously took place. If we're ever going to have an experience with God, if we're ever going to experience a revival and awakening and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit like everybody's so longing and hungry to see, it's only going to come from a body of people that's never been defiled by man. Mary had Never been touched by a man. Mary had never had any sexual intercourse. But Jesus comes to her, overshadows her with the power of the supernatural, and gets her pregnant with the man who would be the most important man on the history, uh, in the history of the world, that transformed entire humanity. It didn't happen because any man touched Mary or anything happened that had to do with anything else other than Jesus. And I'm so convinced in my bones this morning, man, that Jesus in this time, listen, without a doubt, the coronavirus and everything that the world is experiencing today, friend, has stripped us and left us with only one option. The systems of men and the systems of Saul and Babylon have been propped for generations and I'm telling you today by the spirit of God that if we can begin to set our face what are we doing in our meetings? What are we doing in our houses? What are we doing in our businesses? Is it it created? Man, come on. Is it created based off of what I want? Is it created based off of what tickles the fancy of other men and women that might be big givers or might be doing this and that? I'm telling you Jesus is looking for a body of people on the earth that if not, will not be moved by the systems of man. And they're, they're set in concrete to know that if Jesus doesn't do something, everything, nothing's gonna happen. It's just him. It's not, listen, we need to be asking ourselves this question. Jesus, what is your perspective? Jesus, what are your thoughts? Jesus, what are your views? Make no mistake about it, this Christian walk that you and I have and this journey with the Lord that that all of us are on and we're all at different places, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Him. It has nothing to do with what you can accomplish. It has everything to do with what He accomplished on the cross. Most of the believers that I know live with only about 50% of the believer's benefit package. We have no idea what's been truly given to us and what happened on the cross that day when Jesus shed his blood. The veil was torn, friend. The same works that Jesus did, you and I are called to do, and not just the works that he did, but greater. So, this brings me to Colossians chapter two. I wanna briefly give you just a quick little story about a man by the name of, of, uh, of George Quam. George Quam was a man in the 1960s that was a one-arm handball player. And George Quam, it was around 1916, 1917, this man by the name of George Quam perfected his skill in handball. I didn't even know handball was a thing, but apparently it is. George Quam perfects his skill with one arm he makes his way all the way to the Olympics. He's been given medals and he's achieved great awards and accolades. And he makes it all the way to the White House and he gets to meet the president because he's so skilled in his craft. And the president asked George, he says, George, how do you, how do, you do what you do? And he said, and what separates you and separate and sets the bar so high? And what gives you the advantage over your over your opponents he said it's simple everybody else has a lot of other options george said only have one option jesus is not looking for people that have a plan b c d f and g jesus just wants a body of people that has one plan and that's a plan a what does he want what does he think what is he trying to say Listen, I'm thankful for the system, man. I was raised in the system. I was saved in the system. I encountered God in the system. But listen, the next move of God is not going to require a four four wall movement. I'm thankful for every move of God that's ever taken place in here. But this was never meant to be the nucleus. This was never meant to be the primary thing. Man, listen, everything that we're doing from Monday through Saturday is to be unto what we do on Sunday morning. Pastors already provoked you this morning and said I long for the days where we don't have to pep the rally up Listen friend if your if your gears are grinding Monday through Saturday You will come in here with some wood that is wet and ready to go Everybody wants fire, but nobody wants a sacrifice Everybody wants the presence, but nobody wants the altar friend And this is what him and I were speaking about this morning Listen, it's only by grace and grace alone that we stand here by God's goodness and his mercy Paul said it's not that I would boast but in Christ and Christ alone So I'm thankful for grace and I'm thankful for goodness. It's the goodness of God that got me here today But grace with no truth is perverted grace In order for us to fully hear the message of God and for us to be moved and grow in our spiritual maturity friend We must hear truth We need honest, vulnerable, raw, organic truth. And the truth is, friend, that you can work, and like Paul does in Acts chapter 9, the Bible says that he kicked against the goads. And you can kick against the goads as much as what you want, and it'll be like running into that stacked stone right there, friend, or you can choose to yield. There is so much power and there is so much authority when you and I throw our hands up and wave the white flag and say, I surrender. Whatever it is, God, if it's a dream, if it's a word, if it's a person that's got to come to me and give me something that doesn't necessarily sit that great with me, I want to hear it and I want it. Jesus is looking for a body of people that is mature enough to to where he can lay his head. The Bible says that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but there was no place for the Son of Man to lay his head. That verse is not talking about in the context of Jesus taking a nap. That verse was simply speaking about a body of people that was mature and strong enough that could hold the weight of Jesus's headship. There is a reason why John the Baptist came before Jesus. John the Baptist was great, but he was unto Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nothing was made, he was in the beginning with God, nothing was made that was made. Through him all things were made. There was a man sent from God and his name was John. And he was the light, he, and in him was the light, and the light shined forth into the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, friend. Moses and Elijah and Elisha and Joseph and Ahab and David and the rest of the great mothers and fathers of the faith are all unto one thing. And we can use their models. We can look at their models and we can learn and we can strategize and we can build plans and organize around that. And that is awesome but there is one primary plumb line, and that's Jesus and his word. That's it, that's it. That's the only thing that matters, friend. All this other's gonna fade away. Your toys, your vehicles, your houses, all that's great. Jesus wants you to be blessed, shaken down, pressed up, multiplied, running over, exceedingly, abundantly, above all, by all means, friend. Get wealth, build resources for generations to come. But all of that outside of Jesus and walking in communion and friendship with him every single day of your life leaves you with absolutely nothing. So the leader of the Colossian church was Epaphras. Him and Timothy were co-leading this church, the church of the Colossians. Paul actually never visited this church in the flesh. When Paul writes this letter where, the, where the, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily, when he pens this letter, he's in jail, and Epaphras goes to him, and he says, Paul, he's, he's urging him and he's giving him what's going on because the Colossian church was experiencing a decent amount of growth. They were doing really well, but there were doctrines that began to creep in, and Epaphras goes to Paul in prison, and he says... And he expounds, and he begins to tell him, and he says, because this is what had happened. There was a very polytheatic, there, polynism had creeped into the church at Colossae, and there was also a very Gnostic viewpoint and perspective that had creeped into the church of Colossians. If you have a, polyist, a, poly, a view of polytheism, that just simply means that you believe that there is one God, but he is not the only God, which is dangerous they had begin to believe that there was one God, but yet, or there was not one God. He was just one God unto many other gods. So that's what being polytheistic means. So there was a very Eastern approach that had began to creep in, and there was a very Jewish perspective and viewpoint in theology that began to creep in. So we have polytheism over here, and then we had this viewpoint of being very Gnostic. If a person is agnostic, that would just tell you, not, not like an, a person who is an atheist, would tell you that, no, I don't believe. A person that is agnostic is telling you, yeah, I choose, to, I, you know, I acknowledge it, but knowledge is more important and I'm not necessarily concerned or I'm just choosing to not believe. So a person that is, is very—it it is pertaining and it relates to knowledge. And it's a very mystical way of thinking. And so watch this. So what's my point in telling you all that? Listen, all that was to this one moment. Listen, Paul's, Writings, And the reason why he writes what he writes, what I just read to you, is for one reason. It was to exalt Jesus above everything else. The reason why he begins to pen that letter the way that he does is because, listen, all that's other is great, but it fails in horrific comparison into the man that I've met on the road to Damascus. All right, so we've got the centrality of Jesus. This message that I'm preaching to you today is all based around this one thing. Ready or not, here he comes. Ready or not, that's the subject of today. Ready or not, here he comes. No, I'm not talking about the return of Jesus, and no, I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about the God-man Jesus coming to interrupt business as usual. That's what I'm talking about. Things that we have done for years has been challenged. Throw it out the window. Religious activity that we've known for years and the way that we've done things, we've all been sitting around scratching our heads saying, well, what do we do now? We don't have anything to depend on. Do I believe that God sent COVID-19? Absolutely not. But I can see his intentionality working. I can see, man, ho, I can see the hand of the Lord weaving in and out all throughout this nation. Because when God gets ready to move, what got King Herod in trouble is when he spoke, the people around them begin to say, my God, this man speaks as if he's another God. Herod gives no glory to God and immediately he drops. Why? The glory must belong to him. Thankful for messages. And as anointed as Pastor Matt is, he can't do it for you. I can't be your Moses. He can't be your Moses. You can get a word for God from God for yourself. You can do it for yourself. You don't have to come to Cornerstone on Sunday morning to get a word from God. You can get it any time, any day. And some of my most precious times that I have with the Lord is just riding down the road. When he begins to intervene and crash in and I begin to weep hot, ugly tears. And he begins to whisper, I love you. I see you. You can trust me. I'm your friend. These are the moments that mark us friend. This is a two hour thing, man. What we did this morning, if that's all we're doing, if that's all we're getting, come on, man. So. (laughs) Holy Ghost. Testing, one, two, we still on? All right, good. So, we've got, we've got the centrality of Jesus. Is this microphone on? No. no I would say, I would, hey, there we go. Glory to God. If we travel to Luke chapter 7, there was a religious leader and scholar that was... Known as one of the smartest and one of the wealthiest religious leaders during his time, and his name was Simon. Jesus is the invited guest to this feast, and they're out in their courtyards, and there's a prostitute that walks in, and she cannot stop kissing the feet of this man, Jesus. And Jesus, while he's looking at this woman, He's talking to Simon, very prophetic here. He's looking at the broken, but yet he's talking to who was supposed to be leading, who was supposed to be the most wise of his time. He's looking at the broken, and this is what he says. Simon, I have a word for you. And he begins to just weave through and speak like only Jesus can speak. Do you really think Simon had any interest And Jesus being the guest? No. Jesus was a crutch to get Simon to look great. It was just unto what he already had going on. He invited him to say, because Jesus was the one that was shaking everything up. Jesus was the one that was wreaking havoc. He was the one that was flipping the tables over and turning the tides. So Simon says, if I'm going to be the bad mamma Gemma, then I need to get the man who's doing the stuff in here. And he's laughing and he's cutting it up, he's cutting up. And Jesus walks in and this prostitute walks in and he says, Simon, I have a word for you. And I will tell you today, church, that there is a word from you, for you. And I don't care where you're at in your walk with God, today can be a brand new day for you. You can start over, all over again today in a brand new fresh way. This woman that interrupted this meeting was nasty. Most people would have said that she was ruined Simon's looking at this interaction that Jesus is having with this woman. He's shaking his head, he's scratching his head, saying, what is he doing? The things that seem important to us may not be that important to him. Trent and I were talking about this the other day. The way you and I feel, you can't be moved by your feelings. That's the reason why Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that's the reason why the Holy Spirit speaks in the small, still voice. Because he wants you to get alone with him. He wants to shut the chaos down. How can you speak to the chaos, man? How can you speak to the confusion and the craziness and the disappointment and the the depression and the sickness and the world that's spinning out of order according to Romans chapter eight? How can we speak to that when all of every bit of that is going on in here? The primary currency of heaven is peace. It's the primary currency of heaven. If this is out of order, when you try to speak to something, the only thing that you're speaking to is more chaos. So why do I believe that we're seeing everything that we're seeing today? For one reason, trust, trust. Unless a grain of wheat goes into falls into the ground and dies, it dies alone. That's the words of Jesus. Why have we carried spiritual babies for so long and not been able to deliver them? I'm gonna show you in just a second. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, one of my favorite passages of scripture, and I've been chewing on this for quite some time, and I've thought a lot about it, obviously because everybody's kind of been shut up in their homes, and now the world's just beginning to open up that I've been asking a lot of questions. To give you a nugget. You can't get answers unless you ask questions, big questions, and Jesus isn't afraid of them. You want to move in prophetic insight? Start asking questions. Start asking the Lord, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? Why are we experiencing the way? Why is racial? craziness breaking out all over the world why are the riots happening two things one open the Word of God and let him show you what's going on and then once you can be faithful with logos then God can give you manna Matthew chapter 16 I'm gonna begin reading in verse 13 it says when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi which we've wrongly pronounced that in the church for centuries He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter did a good job here. He answered and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys over of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Let me read a couple more verses to you because it's important. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders. Watch what happens here. Very different thing that we're about to read here based off of what we just read and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. This is what Jesus is prophesying to them and he's telling them this is what's about to happen. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying far be it from you Lord this shall not happen to you. So at this point we have Peter who's now thinking that he's smarter than Jesus and pulls him to the side and begins to correct him. But he turned and said to Peter get behind me Satan you're an offense to me for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. We've preached this, that upon this rock, when Peter makes the statement, we've said that we're gonna build it upon Peter because Peter's name means rock. Petra, upon this rock I will build my church. This is a statement and a prophetic declaration that is heralded and echoed all throughout the universe. It's said in churches all across America every Sunday. Where Peter responds and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. After the other men give wrong answers, Peter, by the Spirit, gives the correct answer. At Caesarea Philippi, there was a 14 mile journey that took place there when he got, by the time he got to Caesarea Philippi, most of Jesus' ministry was done around the Sea of Galilee. So why would Jesus travel all the way from that geographical location, all the way to Caesarea Philippi, just to make this one thing happen, just to bring this one declaration for this? we got to do a little research. we got to do a little history. In the year of about 20 BC, there was a man named Augustus, and Augustus passes off this land to a man by the name of Herod, and then Herod, he he passes it to his son, Philip. And so by the time Philip gets it, we're in the year of three BC. Jesus has traveled 14 miles just to get to this one spot. This spot was known, if you study this, this spot was known as the gate of Hades. There was a cave that fed the Jordan River. There was a Greek God by the name of Pan and Pan was, he was believed, some people believe, especially the Hebrews during that time, believed that the Greek god of Pan could travel to and from the underworld, to and from. That's what people believed, so much so that they built a temple and put writings all over the walls in honor of this god, of this Greek false god named Pan. People would travel for miles just to go to this cave and to pay their homage and to give worship to this god Pan. So it was given to Philip. The reason why it's Caesarea Philippi is because Philip wanted to name it after himself. The same way Caesar, Caesar Caesarea Philippi. Caesar named it after himself, and Philip named it after himself. This was a wicked place. It was known for wickedness. This place was called the Gate of Hades, and this God was believed that he could travel back and forth from the underworld. Jesus goes, come on, man, Jesus goes on a 14-mile journey to prove that the only supernatural, that the only thing in the supernatural that would happen would be because one reason, and that was because in a couple of days, he was getting ready to go to a cross and shed his blood and go into the bottomless pit of Hades and take back the keys and then be raised in an exalted seated place of victory where he would rule and reign. This is the reason why he says, Peter, my father in heaven has revealed this to you. Surely not flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. Notice that Jesus does not say, blessed are you, Peter. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. Simon comes from a Hebrew word, Simeon. Simeon means listener. It means one that can hear. So, we're dealing with three things today. You ready, I'm almost done. We're dealing with three things. Number one, the centrality of Jesus. These are the markings and the key components and ingredients of what's gonna mark, I believe personally, in this generation. The Lord is marking a body of people, like pastors already said about the Gen Zers and millennials. They are so sick and tired of plastic veneer religion. They just want Jesus. So the centrality of Jesus. Number two, the spirit of wisdom, revelation, coupled with the supernatural. That's what we're gonna see. The church will experience more. The church will experience more in 10 years than the church has ever experienced in 400 years. I say that to you today in faith. More will happen, why? Because Bob Jones says that there was coming to people from 2020 to 2030. And they've never, we've never known how to rest in God, but we're fixing to find out how to rest in God. That could be, could it be that that's the very reason why we've struggled to produce, why we've not been mature enough to produce the things that God is hungry for his people. It's not that he doesn't want to pour out his spirit. It's not that he doesn't want the blind eyes to be open. It's not that he doesn't want the deaf ears to see and the lame to walk and the dead to be raised and the demons to be cast out. It's not that he doesn't want that, friend. He's just waiting on you to trust him. He's just waiting to say, and if it doesn't happen the first time, he just wants you to try again. He just wants you to trust him. Unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it dies alone. Not by might, not by power. How are we gonna see this? Randy Clark prays this prayer at almost every meeting. He says, Jesus, I am the coin in your pocket. Spend me however you would like to spend me. This is the reason why Mary was untouched. Because Jesus wanted to make sure that when he, the Messiah, the son of the living God, when he was birthed into the earth, he would not be defiled by man. He would not be touched by men and by the systems of man. And no person could put their hands on what Jesus was getting ready to do. So when God gets ready to move, make no mistake about it, friend, it won't have much to do with how great I am or how great we are. He's God all by himself. He doesn't need your permission to do anything. Paul says, I've been apprehended by that of which I went to apprehend. He was apprehended. There was a magnetic pull pulling him. If you're racist today, friend, and you've got a problem with people with different color skin than you, you didn't meet the same Jesus that I met. Because when I met Jesus, I met a man that was full of compassion. I met a man that was full of unconditional, radical love and mercy, regardless of a skin color, regardless of how jacked up I may have been. And that same God encounters me every day of my life. And he wants to encounter you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you, Simon. Blessed are you who hears by the Spirit. If the church has ever had anything, we need eyes and ears to see and cancel out and remove all the clutter and the muck and the darkness. Where the light is, there can be no darkness. If we've ever been in the light, man, come on, we need to be in the light now. Today could be the greatest day. So we've got the centrality of Jesus. I'm watching it. I'm almost done. Ten minutes. So we've got the centrality of Jesus, and we've got the spirit of wisdom, revelation with the supernatural. God has blessed this church and multiple churches in this region, unprecedentedly in a time that most people would think that the church must close. Could that mean that the greatest awakening that the world has ever seen is getting ready to happen? I know we don't believe that, and that's okay, but we're getting to a place where we're going to believe it and you, you start to believe it and you watch, stuff will begin to happen in your own life. The centrality of Jesus. What does Jesus think? What does Jesus have to say? What does Jesus want to do? Are we singing to man or are we singing to Jesus? If the person that you're listening to is not often exalting and exhorting the man, Jesus, then you need to question it. There's a lot of people that are standing up with boy band microphones like I am right now, and they're saying a lot of things, man, and that's awesome, whatever, but Jesus is far from that. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. There's a lot of people speaking for him right now. You can't hardly scroll through social media and not see. Everybody's got everything to say. And if that person is not centralized on the man Jesus and the three and a half years that we have to look into his life, and if that's the only picture that you're looking at, you can see him. He plays peeky-boo with all of humanity and mankind from Genesis to Revelation. The ram that was in the thicket, the bush that was caught on fire, come on. He's everywhere, you can't escape from him. He's not just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's in Genesis all the way to Revelation. So we've got the centrality of Jesus. We've got the spirit of wisdom with the supernatural. And lastly, we've got divine trust. I wanna ask you this question today. Are you leading your relationship with God or is he leading you? How can you hear when you're talking? How can you fight? How can you win when you're fighting your own battle? This is stuff that it makes us feel icky. But I'm telling you, there is a reason why He is the God of angel armies. He is the God that fights for you. Prove it, okay? Psalm 46, be silent, surrender your anxiety, cease from your striving, and be silent. Then you will see that I am God. Say it again, be silent, cease from your striving, and surrender your anxiety. You want to see God? Be silent and watch God work on your behalf. Stand still and you will see the salvation of the Lord. The first picture that we have of this is in Exodus. And Moses is leading the people. And he's got an army of an enemy that's chasing behind him. And he's saying, stand still? How does that make sense? That's an oxymoron. How does that happen? Because Jesus was foreshadowing what was about to happen. He shed his blood so you and I don't have to. This is the primary reason. It's not the reason. Listen, David was not in sin. When Jesus comes to him and David begins to speak to the people and he says, I'm not going to get to build the temple, but my son Solomon is. Because Jesus has appeared to me and he has told me that I'm a man that's got blood on my hands, but Solomon can. And he begins to make preparations for his offspring to build the temple. Was it that David was in sin because he had blood on his hands? No. He was carrying out the work of God in the land that God had for him. That's a reality. But the reason why Solomon got to build it is because it was a prophetic picture that Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross so you didn't have to. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. It was a prophetic picture that David had blood on his hands. Jesus will not build on your bloodshed mess, he won't. Jesus, Second Chronicles chapter one, Solomon says that he sacrificed a thousand, he made a thousand sacrifices. And then the very next verse, This is what what it says. Jesus says, hey, or the Lord says, hey, ask anything that you want, and I'll give it to you. He says, I want a hearing heart. I want wisdom. And God gives him what he wants simply because he moved in wisdom, and he sacrificed. Nobody gets what they desire without the sacrifice, without a little bit of testing. And if you're being tested today, and if you're being tried, and you feel like hell's breaking out all around you, good news. Good news. Jesus is getting ready to do something great with your life. There's hope today, friend. You hear me? There's courage. We need bold confidence, and we need a courageous spirit in this time. We need people that are going to stand when everybody else is falling. We need people that are going to be in the light when everybody else is in the darkness. This is the difference, right? So, Solomon... He makes a 1,000 sacrifices, and then God grants him with the very thing that he asked for, David. David gets ready to take the ark into the homeland, Bethlehem, where he wants to be. And the anger of the Lord strikes out against Uzzah. Uzzah's name means strength. You'll never be able to steady the glory of God in your own strength, ever. Uzzah drops. David goes back and he goes to the drawing board, which is what we need to do in the church right now And we need to begin to examine what really matters David goes back to the drawing board and he says all right if it didn't happen then I know God you're good He was an old covenant man living with a New Testament reality Nobody functioned in the grace of God like David did and he was a man living in an old covenant Because he was the beloved and he knew he was So Uzzah he dies he goes to the house, and he begins, to, he begins to study, and he begins to strategize, and he begins to look at, God, how can I bring the ark back into the city? And this is what he does. The Bible says that the ark of the Lord rests in Obed-Edom's house for 90 days. And out of that 90-day period, during that time, David was studying. Then, after the ark gets ready to leave Obed-Edom's house, That's when we see David dancing in 2 Samuel chapter 6 until his clothes fall off. And Saul's daughter judges him and says, How crazy is it for the man of God to defile himself? And then God strikes her with barrenness. That's where I'm at in the scriptures. David, in his way, when he's dancing, it's beautiful. There's music being played. And meanwhile, while all that's going on, he's stopping every six paces to make a sacrifice. Every six paces. Do you know that Rick Joyner did a study, Pastor John? Rick Joyner and a friend of his did a study. And he has a friend that lives very close to Obed-Edom's house. And they did the math based off of where Obed-Edom would have lived from the time where they go to Mount Zion when they bring the ark back into David's homeland. And do you know how many sacrifices that David made? Over 3,500. Over 3,500 times that they stopped and gave the Lord what he desired. I want the fire, man. I want the glory of God. I want it, I want it. But you can't have everything that you're desiring, you can't have the stories that we read about and all of that without a crucifixion. It's death, burial, and resurrection. We have been co-glorified with Christ. You are seated with him in a heavenly place. According to Ephesians chapter two, verse six, he has raised you up together and sat you down in an elevated seat where he wants you to rule and reign with him. You're just as close to the father as Jesus is. And you're just as clean as Jesus is. We don't believe that. You're just as close and you're just as clean. Why? He who knew no sin became sin that I, through him, might become the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Jesus doesn't give halfway righteousness. It's just one form of righteousness. That's it. Come on, that's good news. The centrality of Jesus, wisdom, revelation, the supernatural. Lastly, we have divine trust. You can stand to our feet. Hey, can we pull up Isaiah chapter 66, and I'll just read it. Isaiah chapter 66 is the last book in Isaiah. I love the book of Isaiah because it gives me a ton of hope. It's a prophetic picture, man, that gives the canopy of glory where we can see what's getting ready to come. Let's go to Isaiah uh, chapter 66. I'm gonna read verse seven. It says, before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, She delivered a male child. Who's the male child? Next verse. Good call. Verse 8. Who's heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion is in labor, she gave birth to her children. One more verse. Shall I bring, look at this, shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery? Says the Lord, shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb? Says the your God. Listen, there is a theology lesson that is available for us. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1 verses 35 that Gabriel shows up and the Holy Spirit overshadows her. That word overshadow literally means to be taken by force. And Mary was just a willing vessel. Why am I telling you that? Because Jesus is just looking for a group of people that will trust Him. The only thing that Jesus is looking for is a vessel. is an instrument. That's all He needs, friend. He doesn't need you to have it all figured out. He doesn't need you to have all the Greek vernacular. He doesn't need you to have all the Hebrew vocabulary and be operating in something magnificent. He just needs your yes and your willingness to sacrifice your human strength. No matter how hard you try, the Bible says what I was talking about earlier when David made those sacrifices, that he, he sacrificed an oxen first, an oxen was representing strength. Secondly, he, he sacrificed a fatling. A fatling would have been the greatest, finest meat of the day. What was, what was the whole point in that? It's because you must sacrifice your own strength every day, man. I wish that there was some type of way, my brothers and sisters, I wish that there was some type of way that I could form it on my own. Because I'm sure there's many of you in here like me. You want to give birth. You want to do something great. You want to see something big in your day. Could it be that the reason why we've not given birth to the things is because we're anemic, man? The, the lady, I mean, you know, Abby's pregnant now, so I've just, you know, I've figured out a ton, you know? I figured out all kinds of stuff about life, you know? Research. Jesus. So, I mean, you know, you women, props to you um (laughs) Mary was just a vessel those of you that are moms you laid there that's a supernatural thing what Jesus is getting ready to do in the earth is supernatural no man can touch it no matter how hard you want to fix it no matter how hard you want to do it Jesus is just looking for your yes And when he gets ready to do it, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, that all things work together for the good, for I know, for I know, for I know that all things work together for the good of those called, that love the Lord, that are called according to his purpose. Coronavirus, all things work together for my good. Racial uproar, all things work together for my good. The world's going crazy, all things, I got to know that all things. Every day I got to declare it over my life, I will see the salvation of the Lord. The glory of the Lord will be greater. The latter shall be greater than the former. Despise not the day of small beginnings. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh my dwelling place. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. The battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Shall he bring you to the place? The Passion Translation says this, shall I bring you to the point of birth and not deliver? Jesus is going to deliver something from your womb, And what he's looking for is for you to be pregnant. Pregnant. Pregnant women produce milk. We've had water long enough, but pregnant women produce milk. And the only way that a spiritual maturing is coming to the body of Christ is for us to get off of water and get on the milk, to get on the meat of the word. That's how that baby matures. It's on the milk, man. I want the real thing. I want the real Jesus. I want the person of Jesus. The only thing that's going to fix this world is the man Jesus, not the Jesus that I read about a year ago, not the Jesus that I read about 20 years ago. It's Jesus here, and it's Jesus now. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you, and then I'm turning it over to my apostle who gave me the opportunity to share today. Mary says, I've not known a man. Jesus doesn't need your permission. He just does it. Oh, He's God all by Himself. Holy Spirit, I pray today that You would give us a revelation. Yes, God, that You're good, we know that. But God, give us a revelation that You are all powerful. Yes, God, You still are on the throne and You are sovereign. God, as I've as I've exegeted Your Word today, and as I've expounded and. Pontificated to the best of my ability, Holy Spirit, how am I asking? Lord, make your people pregnant today. Give us a spiritual pregnancy. Like Paul says, the prophet Amos said, I'm not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. But all I know is that I've been called by God. Just like in the book of Hosea, the Bible says that God said, I will hedge you in. You can't depend on everything else that might have worked for you in the past. God, we've got all different models throughout all of scripture. When Abraham got ready to sacrifice his son, it was the promised son. It wasn't just, it wasn't just, ah, it was, a, it was his son, the promised son. He gets ready to sacrifice him It's the first place that we see worship in all of scripture. This was a form of worship. And Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac. In his mind, he's about to kill the very thing that he longed for. And Isaac's just there and he's gotta take it. And then God says, you can pull it back, don't kill him. I've provided the ram. What would have happened had of Abraham not had an ear to hear in that moment? What would have happened? We would have not known the man Isaac to this day. But Abraham had an ear to hear. So many times we miss what God is saying because we're stuck on what God said. Jesus came and he said, I played the flute, but yet you did not dance. He's playing the flute over your life today, friend. Lift your hands. He's playing the flute over your life. He's playing the flute over your business. He's playing the flute over your family, and all you got to do is start dancing. He's getting ready to bring a spiritual birthing to you right now in the name of the Lord God. There is a pregnancy that's coming, what eye has not seen and what ear has not heard. Make your people pregnant, God, with something great, with something mighty, with something that's going to shake something. Just like Peter said that day, God, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, yes, upon this rock, upon this very rock that has been set up for supernatural in a wicked way, I'm about to get ready to do the supernatural. And not only am I going to do it, but you're going to do it. Whatever you bind on, heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever you loose will be loosed. You've got the keys. The last time I checked, friend, Jesus got the keys back. You, you, you say, so you say you mean to tell me about, you, you want me to operate in dominion? Yes, sir. Go all the way back to the garden. That's what God told Adam. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. So God, I pray today that you would give us a spiritual hunger, purpose, and destiny. As Miss Catherine prayed, we need you, Holy Spirit. In this time that we're living in, We need the person of Jesus. We need you to be centralized in our life. Lord, the book of Proverbs says that Holy Spirit sticks closer than a friend. According to Ephesians 4 and Revelation 1, you already went down. He that ascended also descended. You took the keys and you gave them to us. Show us, Lord, how to use them. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? One, two. There we go. Praise God. Amen. Listen, God bless you. Um, seniors, we're praying for you. We are believing for great things for you. And uh, we just thank you for being here. Those that are watching the live stream. I told Stanton the other day, boy, that, that, the live stream got us. Folk, folk realize they can watch it in the boxers. It's just way to go, right? We thank you for being here. We thank you for watching the live stream. God bless you all. We'll see you here next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.